0: God is so good. Uh, I believe that everybody is here for a reason this morning. There is there is not an accident in the house this morning. Everybody has a purpose. And God has planted each one of us here this morning for a reason. Um, if you would, before we get started, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful. God, just for your presence in here this morning, I wouldn't... Wouldn't choose to be any other place this morning besides in your presence, Lord. I pray that that desire would always stay upon me, Lord, as the world continues to throw more and more things at us, God. That we would desire your presence in our lives just more and more as the days go by, as the troubles mount, as the pressure rises, God. That we would seek haven and rest, Lord, in your presence. God, that we would seek after your spirit for knowledge and wisdom, Lord, to guide our lives, to guide our families. Lord, to guide our communities. Lord, that we would fall on our knees in humbleness. God, and seek after Your face. Lord, I can't even imagine a world, Lord, if all we did was seek after Your presence, what a world it would be, God. I pray daily, Lord, that we can step closer to that. Lord, at least Your people, God, Your chosen people, God, that we could turn from this world and the things that are happening in it, God, that we could truly desire you in each and every situation and, and throw away our own foolish desires and our choices that we make for ourselves. God, and that we, we would truly fall on our faces, desiring you in every situation. God, what a unique experience that would be to see followers, brothers and sisters in Christ truly seeking you, not vain babblings or murmurings and and complainings about the things that we have to do and the things that we have to go through, but, God, to see everyone lifting up your name and exalting you in every conversation with every word and every breath we take, God. God, I desire that. God, I pray that you would write these things in our hearts, Lord, that we would have them to go back through, even if we might step away, Lord, that you were always there with wide open arms, forgiving us for stepping away. God, I pray that you be with churches across America this morning. God, that the Spirit would move on each and every person, Lord. That your presence would be felt, Lord. Those that are missing this morning, those that are sick this morning, God, that right now they're unifying with us in the Spirit as they're desiring the same relationship with you that we are. God, I am thankful for your presence in my life. God, I am thankful for every person that is here this morning. God, I believe that there are no mistakes in your kingdom. God, that you have placed everybody here this morning for a purpose. God, help us as we get into your word, realize our purpose. where we just love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, man, sometimes I allow the spirit to move more than others and When we get pressed with the Spirit, it's going to be good things, right? Whenever we allow the Spirit to take over our lives and our bodies and the things we say in every part of our life, godly things will start happening from godly people, and what a day that will be. Amen? I get excited thinking about when God's children finally say yes each and every time that God calls on them. Right? Because who here has said, God, not today, (laughs) I mean, I'm guilty. God, not right now. God, I don't want to do that. God, I don't feel like it. God, I'm tired. Whatever our excuses is, it's never a good excuse not to do God's work because God has a purpose for all of us. We're designed in his likeliness and he wants to have a relationship with us. And when we succumb to that and we allow ourselves to have a relationship with him, oh, what a day it is, right? Man, oh man, I get so excited uh, What God can do I always resort back to that Vision that God gave me Of the glass of water And it doesn't matter if it's half full Half empty, three quarters, quarter It doesn't make a difference God can use the glass It doesn't matter what's in it He can fill it if it's empty You just relinquish your glass to God So that He can do whatever He wants to do With it And what a day it is when we decide That we want to relinquish our glass and God you fill us and you fill us with your joy and you fill us with your hope that only that you can provide. I pray for everybody here that we can get to that day. Where we desire God more than we desire the things of the world. Where we desire God's wisdom over manly wisdom. Where we desire godly results over manly results. That's the problem a lot of times is we, we set our bar too low. We, we want to see what man can do. We want to see, you look at great athletes. and I remember the McGuire-Sosa home run battle that year, man. And what man can do. And every time it will fall short of what God can do. We set the standard too low. We want to see what we can do, but rarely do we relinquish ourselves to the control of God to see what God can do through us. You want to see people healed? Relinquish your life and start praying over people and you will see people healed. You want to see situations changed? Invite God into the situation and watch it change. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we have to open our eyes to see that our vision always isn't the vision of God. And that what we think and consider as a success isn't always a godly success. Healing is not always the answer from a disease. Sometimes that's not the best outcome, even though from an earthly perspective, we see that a healing would be the best outcome that we could have. But sometimes we have to try to see through God's eyes and realize that it's not always the right thing. There's a lot of things going on um, right now. And the world is creating a bunch of fear and unsettledness and uncertainty. You don't know whether you're going to be able to use the bathroom in a clean fashion or not. It's funny. We were laying in bed the other night. My wife rolls over and she's like, we've got a problem. And I was like, what? And she goes, I just opened our last roll with toilet paper, and I was like, "Ah, now I'm going to look like one of those crazies go out and buying all this stuff. It's funny, though, uh, God provided we're not without. so thank you. Uh, but it is funny that the world can create such chaos, and I've talked about the opportunity we talked about it a little bit in Sunday school, but we have such a divine opportunity, a godly opportunity. To show people what the peace of God is. The peace that surpasses all understanding as we react to what is happening around us. Romans 12 tells us not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed in the mind. Right now we have an opportunity to show that transformation in a more vivid and a more real production than we ever have. I'm going to start in Psalm 16 this morning. Psalm 16, starting in verse 1. I've got a lot of scripture today, guys, but scripture is so good. It's better than anything I can say. Why? Because it's God's word and not mine. Psalm 16, starting in verse 1. It says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. But to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellence in whom is all my delight, their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after other gods. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou Mountest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Always go back to joy. Always go back to joy because joy is a gift from God. Happiness the world creates and happiness the world takes away, right? We're not happy all the time. We're happy in in some circumstances and then something else happens and happiness is taken away from us. Joy. I heard a definition of joy that I wrote down. It says joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. That's your choice. God will give you joy everlasting. God will give you joy in every circumstance. That the circumstances don't produce joy, nor can they take it away. When you accept Christ as Savior, God will give you joy everlasting. And that is the choice that you choose to praise God when things seem to be the darkest Because things seem to be the darkest right before the dawn. We've all heard that, right? Amen. Just when you think you can't overcome it, think that you can't walk through it. My God is on the throne. My God is in control. And he's already went through it for me. Now he came back to walk with me through it. Promises he gives are in the book. That's why it's important for us to read God's word. God hit me with a word early in this week. And it goes like this. Life cannot give you joy. But joy will always give you life. Amen. Why will joy always give you life? Because it came from your creator who gave you life. Joy comes from a creator that gave you life, so why would joy not give you life? Life itself can't give you joy. It can give you happiness, but it can also give you sorrow. We choose to be joyful in every circumstances because we are creations from God, and through Christ Jesus we've been reconciled back to the kingdom. So that we have joy everlasting, knowing that while we stand in the flesh, we can be joyful for the things to come. We don't have to be happy in our circumstances, because there are bad things that happen. There just are. But we don't have to allow Satan to take our joy. Because the only reason Satan can steal your joy is if you allow him to take it. I was talking to somebody, and I was asking a group... If they had ever prayed over their individual houses. If you've ever anointed the doors of your house with oil. If you've ever cast Satan and the spirits out of your house. If you've ever declared your house a territory of God. Yeah man, but bad stuff still happens. I said that's because you bring it in. Because Satan will leech onto you in your day as You're out in your job and in the world. If you've declared a territory, God's territory, Satan cannot overtake it. You have to give it. Because God is greater than Satan and has more power. Now, that being said, if I have a bad day at work and I bring it into my house and I start yelling at my kids and yelling at my family, guess what I've done? I've left the door wide open for Satan to come in and take everything that's in there that is godly. I've allowed it. God didn't allow it, but he gave me the choice. So what we choose to have and what we choose should be God. Because when we choose God, we choose joy, and that will give us life everlasting. Through Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to choose life everlasting as we go back in Psalms and we look at, At the things he tells us and what he says. That their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. It says it right here. If you're chasing after things that are not godly or that are not of God, then your sorrows are going to be multiplied. Who's chased after things that are not godly? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they don't end up so well, right? Sometimes they end up in a, you know, a a backseat car ride from the shuttle service of the county police department. Um, You know, our decisions have consequences and what we choose has consequences. But he's telling us right here that their sorrow shall be multiplied if you chase after anything that is not God. And he goes a step further. He says, their drink offerings of blood will I not take nor take up the names off of their lips. I'm not going to take and partake in what the world has to offer. I'm not going to talk about what the world has to offer. Why? Because it is not beneficial for me to partake of this world. It is beneficial for me to partake of God. I'll have to confess one thing. Earlier in this week I was looking at Facebook quite a little bit And I started to get wound up in it. You know, all the things closing down and things are happening and it's getting kind of crazy and it's getting kind of chaotic. And, you know, that I don't know, it's like when tornadoes or storms that I don't know, it's like a weird excitement. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're excited for it, but it's just something out of the norm and it kind of just is different. And then I come home. And my my wife always brings me back and puts me back to where I need to be. Because I was talking about all this, and she's like, Yeah, I'm not so worried about it. God has control of everything. (laughs) It was like, Okay, fine. But she didn't come to my level of excitement. She brought me back to a God perspective. Amen. That's what happens when we have people equally yoked like us in our life. When we can make that phone call because we're getting stirred up that Satan's got us riled up, we can make that phone call. And nobody on the other end of the line that you call a brother or sister in Christ is going to help you get more wound up by continuing to feed that, which is of Satan. But they're going to bring you back to a godly place, a godly peace. Amen. They're not going to feed that devil part of you. They're not going to feed that sinful part of you. Yeah, they were wrong. Yeah, you should be mad at them. They don't deserve forgiveness. They're bad. Right. We've all got those people in our lives, too, don't we? that can just really feed that anger side of you. And let's be honest, when we make that phone call, that's kind of what we want, right? We kind of want people to just agree with us and go on with us and, and feed that hateful unforgiveness in our lives. If we're being honest, I really think when we make some phone calls or when we talk about it, sometimes we want that part, that nasty part of us to be fed. But when you surround yourself with good people, When you surround yourself with the blood of Christ and brothers and sisters in Christ, they don't feed that side of you. They back you off of the ledge. They bring you back in to a centered part. When Misty said that, it brought me off of that excitement and it brought me back to that peace that God offers. That I'm not rattled by the things that are going on in the world. Why? Because I live in it, but I'm not of it. I'm of godly things. I'm of godly things and God chooses to bless his children. In verse 7 it says, Thou will show me the path of life. And the presence is the fullness of joy. And at the right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Only when you get in his presence do you have these things that he wants you to have. When you're out there experiencing the world and chasing after worldly things, you can't have the things that He wants to offer us. John 15. In John 15, starting in verse 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit so shall you be my disciples. As the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. One of the things I seen on Facebook that I really liked and was thought was funny was it said uh, something to the effect of like day two without sports on TV. I looked around on my couch and there was a woman sitting there. Turns out she's my wife. And I thought, you know, for some people, this is truth. For some people, we start seeking after the things that the world will give us. We seek after sports for entertainment. We seek after people's judgments. We seek, seek after people's consent. We talked in Sunday school this morning about what sets the standard for right and wrong in the world today. And what was it that we said? What did you say, Steve? It's norms. It becomes a social norm. That sets the standard for right or wrong. Because the right or wrong today isn't the same right or wrong that was here 50 years ago. The socials have conformed to a new standard because you gently put something in there. You gently make few people accept it, it, then a few more people accept it, and then a few more people accept it. And so on and so forth. And now, instead of it being some catastrophic event, it's now the norm. And you said yes without even knowing that you said yes. So when we support things of the world and when we ask the world to tell us what is right and wrong, we are setting ourselves up for failure. Why? Because the right and the wrong of the world changes you go along. It's unstable. It's unsafe. It's now okay in certain parts of the country to take human life. This is becoming the social norm. And as we see it in the media and as we swallow it every day, guess what? We become less and less and less impressionable by it. Even for us that oppose it and us that stand against it and would have nothing to do with it are more used to it than we used to be. And it's a normal problem that we have instead of an outlandish problem that we should do something about. Amen? We become numb to it. Because we're seeking the world more than we're seeking God. The church is allowing more of the world into the church than sending more of the church out into the world. There arise a problem because the mass majority will say so, correct? I want to point out something. As I was talking to a brother on Friday night, man, God needs one praying man to change the course of a nation, to change the course of a country To change the course of a community. To change the course of a church. To change the course of a state. God calls on one praying man to part the Red Sea to lead His people out of trouble. He calls on one praying man to stop the Jordan so that they can cross over into the promised land. He needs one man to stand in the gap. And I'm not saying male. I'm saying One man that will call on his name, that will seek his authority on his life. If that one man steps forward, people will follow him. Why? Because people are seeking God without knowing it. People are longing for an established relationship that brings peace. And it brings a settledness. And it brings a love that the world can't take away. And it brings promises of hope and of everlastingness. People will tell you, I don't believe in God. But guess what they want? They want peace. They want calmness. They want love, right? Love everybody, you know. But they'll tell you that they don't believe in God. But what they don't know Is that God is love. And so as our society changes the standard. They can't change God's people. Unless God's people want to be changed. What is he talking about? Well I'll tell you what I'm talking about. If you reside in God. The world will not have an effectualness on your life. Or the way you live. If you reside in God, you will not let the world change the way you think or the way you do things. Why? Because you're hinging on every word that God says, and that's your next step. You see that God has a plan and a purpose on your life, and you're wanting to walk that path because he says that my word is a lamp to your feet. Why? So you can see where you're walking. So that you can check your life against the standard. So that you can see God in every step that you take. And He will answer you. The only problem is, is we want to seek Him 50% of the time. And we want to seek what we want 50% of the time. And so you get that world conforming instead of getting Transformed. Instead of getting pulled out of the world, we want to keep one foot in and one foot out. And we want to be like, all right, what are we going to do today? Well, today I'm kind of feeling a little more towards the world. Well, today I'm kind of feeling a little more towards God. But when we truly surrender and relinquish our authority as man, as the creation of the Creator, we get that joy. In verse 11, It says, these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. He wants these things for us. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to feel love. He wants us to have joy that isn't rocked by anything that this world has to offer us. Disease and sickness and hate and malice and unforgiveness. The, the lust of the flesh and the eyes, these aren't things that God wants us to partake in. He says, don't drink of that cup. Because if you drink of that cup, your sorrows, they're going to multiply because your your sin has consequences. But if you choose me, you choose my joy, I'll lead you down peaceful roads. Does that mean it's going to be smooth? No. But guess what? The joy and the peace that God gives you surpasses all understanding. And so that in situations like this that we're in now, we have an opportunity to show them up front in your face who God is and God Is love. We can love on one another. In times of chaos, we can support one another. In times of trouble, we can show God's love to people that we don't know. Why? Because we don't have to know them. God created them. We should love them. We don't have to love what they do. Just because some guy is drunk on the side of the road doesn't mean you don't pick him up. You don't have to love the fact that he's drunk, but you can still help him out because he's part of God's creation. And guess what? You might be the only biblical standard that he ever sees in his life. I'm not suggesting that people pick up drunk people alongside the road. Don't take me wrong. But if God calls you to help somebody... If God calls you to say something. If God calls you to hug somebody. If God calls you to give money to somebody. If God calls you to give time to somebody. If God tells you to raise your hand in praise. If God tells you to hit your knees in prayer. You need to do what God says because it is most beneficial. And he has something for you in that act of obedience. I will tell you a story. Of how God works. And that he does have a sense of humor. I went to a conference. And this guy was talking about. Laying down on his face. And just praying to God. And he called it the posture of possibilities. And he said I believe. That more things can happen. With your face on the floor. Crying out to God. Than any other posture that you could put your body in. He said I believe that. If you haven't done it. Try it. So I got to reflecting. And I've never done it. So I was sitting in the kitchen table in the rent house one night and I was reading scripture and God pressed upon me. You get in the floor and you call out to me. I said, All right, God, family was in bed. I'm in the kitchen floor. I, there's no telling what I look like. I was out there face down on the floor and I'm crying and I'm praying. God, do whatever I'm willing. Servant, I'm here for you. Call me wherever; I'm ready to go. God, use me. After I pull myself together, I shut off the lights and go lay down in bed. Within 15 minutes, I get a phone call. It was late at night; it was like 10:30. that calls me. He's like, "Hey, this is Barry." I was like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" He's like, "I don't know, but God just put it onto my heart." To call you, he said, I'm making a Timothy mission trip to Nicaragua, and he put it on my heart to call you. I want you to go with me. That was like, wow, God, 15 minutes. Really? Like I just said I would go wherever, whenever, and you'd wait 15 minutes to send me to another country. But the willingness. We didn't end up going on that mission trip because Civil War broke out in Nicaragua and it was a bad, bad time down there. But the willingness to serve God, to do what he calls you to do in every act of your life, I don't care if you're sitting in church, I don't care if you're sitting at home and a song sparks you to raise your hand and praise while you sing, except if you're driving pull over (laughs) first, raise your hand to the Lord that created you. Surrender, Because He says, if I can't trust you in the small things, how am I supposed to ever trust you in the big things? So if He says, clap your hands, and you don't clap your hands, how is He supposed to send you to another country to try to save lost people? Because He... Won't even sit there and clap your hands. You won't even raise your hands to him in praise when he calls you to do that. You won't even hit your knees in private when he calls you to do that. How are you supposed to be ready to attack a world that wants to kill you? It's the small things, it's the small surrenders. It's realizing that, hey, I'm a nobody. Just like that song, right? I'm a nobody. God just found somebody that would say yes. Here I am standing on stage behind a pulpit. I'm no smarter than anybody sitting in this crowd. I'm no better for sure. But God called me to preach his word. And here I am because I said yes. That's all that I did. He furnishes the words that come out of my mouth. Why? Because I'm not nearly enough smart enough to come up with him on my own. These aren't my words. I don't know the Bible nearly as good as what it looks like I do up here. I can promise you. Until last year, I had never read the Bible all the way through. I'm not a theologian, but I'm a child of the king that provides me the provisions that I need to succeed in this world. And the provisions that I need to tell the gospel truth and the provisions that I need to save lost souls through His name because I believe in Him and I believe the things that He tells me and I don't just sit there and keep them closed inside. I go tell them to the world. Why? Because the lost world needs to hear it. That's why. Because I'm a man that said yes, I can stand in the gap for the ones that don't know. There are people... On the day of judgment. That think they're okay. And they're not going to be okay. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me that. We have to get the word of God. To a lost world. Why? Because they're lost. Now is the time. Better than any to take it. To them that you can be. That peace. How are you walking around. So calm in the dollar store when there's no hand sanitizer and there's no bleach and Lysol and toilet paper. How are you so calm? This is chaotic. Because those things don't matter to me. God is what matters to me, and I can live in peace knowing that whether, Paul says, whether I live or die is to gain. It doesn't matter what happens to this flesh because this flesh is earthly and it's going to die and it's going to go back to dust. They're going to bury me in the ground and guess what? Three generations later, nobody's going to even know who I am. But God calls me by name. And when I die, God will call me home and He will remember who I am. We have an opportunity to show people the love of God, the peace of God, which nobody understands in every situation. We got mentioned a, a lady this morning that was on her deathbed. She didn't care about seeking for another doctor to try to treat her, but she wanted to see every member of her family so that she could tell them about Jesus Christ. That is a peace That only God can give you. When you're staring death in the face. Knowing that death does not have control over you. We're coming up on Easter. and, And I asked Peyton the other day. I said. She's like. Easter's coming up. And I'm like. Yeah. What does it mean? She's like. It means that Christ died on the cross for us. And I was like. Yes. And what else does it mean? And she got a grin on her face. And she goes. That he rose. Amen. Because my Savior lives. He's not a dead Savior that goes on. And guess what? When society tells me that I will be forgotten after three generations, how do I know that my Savior lives? Because the world tells me that if I'm dead, that they will forget about me. But guess what? They haven't forgotten about Christ. They know that Christ still lives because He tells us that He went to sit on the right hand of the Father. And guess what? We're over 2,000 years later, I don't know how many generations that is. I'm not even going to try to count. But they have not forgotten his name. Why? Because he is not dead. Because he lives and he moves in us. I want to resort back to Nehemiah. I got a word out of Nehemiah the other day. And then I went back and I read the whole book. Because there's so much that goes on. Man, You've got you to get it in context. And so if God's pulling you to a verse, man, read the whole thing. It's good. But Nehemiah 8, verse 10, it says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Give portions to those that don't have it. You go, you eat, you drink, be happy. Give to those that don't have. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength and you can find peace in it. Amen. What a great God we serve. I don't have to worry about what I don't have. Because joy is not found in more things. I've found that joy is found in less things. Why? Because it gives me less things to focus on besides what God asked for me. Because when I start seeing the things that God has created and God is doing, I become more and more joyful. Why? Because God fills me with His joy and He wants me to be full and He wants me to be running over so that I can spread that joy. It doesn't stop with me. Running water stays fresh. It stays clean. If it stops with you, it's going to get stagnant, stale, and start growing mold. If you allow it to flow through you, you can spread that living water, the river of life to other people. You can extend a hand in kindness. You can extend that forgiveness and mercy. Why? Not because you're good. Don't think that for a second it's because you're good. But it's because you know that you've received forgiveness. Because we've all done things. We've all said things. We've all been things. Hopefully we're growing away from said things. But guess what? Even though I try to bury the old me, he's got one foot sticking out of the grave trying to kick his way back to life a lot of times. But when I continually seek God in every aspect of my life, I throw a scoop of dirt back on that old man. And I can bury that sinful part of me down and down and down. And I can stand renewed daily. And the grace that God has provided. I just have to wake up. God wakes me up. And a new grace is there. Why? Because he has forgiven me. I'm going to leave you with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. When you extend a hand out, when you extend a hand down, you are the hands of God. When you choose to serve the least of these, when you think somebody's not good enough, guess what? They're a creation that God made. We all have a purpose. We can all sit in the joyous comfort, knowing that someday we get to be called home into a father that continuously loves us. No matter how many people failed us here on earth and people, given the enough time, will fail you. There are some good people out there. I'm not saying that. But there's nobody like our father. He loves you always. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to confide in Him. He wants you to surrender to Him. Why? Because He has the best things that heaven can offer. He doesn't offer earthly things. He doesn't offer earthly things. The earth can offer you plenty of things, but they are not godly things. Stop setting our standards so low and reach for a godly standard. You want godly results? You have to reach for a God. You have to reach for the God of Abraham. Abraham. Isaac, Jacob. You have to reach for a father that loves you. Why? Because he says, Come to me. So today, as we open up the altars, he stands there. If you would please stand with me. He stands there waiting to receive his creation back. He's waiting for the time for us to say, God, I've had enough of this chaos that this world offers. I've had enough of this pain and this backstabbing and murmuring and everything that comes to stand against me. I'm tired of it. God, I don't want to listen to it anymore. God, I need you. Today is that day. There is nothing, nothing that stands between you and God. God says, the only way to the Father is through the Son we have to realize that Jesus Christ has done the most loving thing and sacrificed His own life for everybody else here. He sacrificed His life so that my kids, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandchildren might have the opportunity to accept Him and receive this joy this everlasting. To receive forgiveness that the world cannot offer. To not have Happiness, but to have true joy in every situation. Paul tells them, "Don't don't cry for me, as I sit here in prison. Count it all joy, because there, our hope is not here. Our hope is set above. Our hope is set on God. So today, if you haven't made the decision, if you've got a burning desire inside of you to relinquish everything that you know." and put it all in God's hand and ask Him for mercy and forgiveness? It's simple. We just have to say yes with the mouth and we have to say yes, most importantly, with the heart. And I know that there's people in here today they just need the strength to stand in the gap. Come find it today. Hit your knees in humbleness. Hit your knees today. Come pray for for answers to that hard decision that you've been trying to make. Come seek God's guidance amongst brothers and sisters. It's not embarrassing to stand up and walk to the altar because there will be people that will surround you in loving kindness and prayer. We need each other, not out of weakness, but we need each other to lift each other by the Spirit. Come find the Spirit. Join in, brothers and sisters. The altars are open.